Hi, my name is Nicole J. Georges. I'm a queer, feminist, vegan cartoonist, teacher, and advice columnist staying in Los Angeles, California with my half-blind chihuahua, Ponyo Georges. <coughs> this is our podcast, Sagittarian Matters. Today on Sagittarian Matters, dog advice, getting present in your life, and punk medical myths, with special guests Brandy Taylor and Caroline Paquita. Stay tuned. Hello from Los Angeles, where I said the word fuck to four different people today in public. Yes. I have PMS. I'm here to share a recipe with you and tell you a couple of things. The recipe is for a cauliflower crust-ish pizza situation. Here's the deal. I'm vegan and I don't eat a lot of grains. If this already sounds disgusting to you, feel free to skip ahead, but if not, perk your ears as I tell you my gluten-free, grain-free situation. I smashed up some white beans in a bowl with cauliflower rice. Uh, the cauliflower rice was $1.99 from Trader Joe's. Smashed it up in a bowl. Added some salt and pepper. Added some chopped up garlic. Maybe some oregano. No problem. I fried that in a pan and some olive oil. I, I mashed it into almost a frittata or a patty. You get what I'm saying here? Like a big flat thing uh, or like a latka. So I'm frying that. It's brown on both sides. It's kind of sticking together. And then I added pizza sauce and some Daiya cheese until it melted. Um, And that was that. That became my pizza-like dish. It was totally delicious. I also had a nutritional yeast all over that bitch, not to use sexist language, uh, because that's my prerogative, and I just got some nutritional yeast. Um, It was delicious. It included both vegetables and protein, and it tasted like pizza. Anything can be pizza if you have the right ingredients. Okay, that's the first thing I needed to tell you. Secondly, I'm having a raffle drawing on Monday. Everyone who is my Patreon at $6 and above gets entered into the drawing. What do you get? You get a free animal art doily if you win. A free custom animal doily if you win. You get to choose the animal. I'll draw it for you. I'll write a word on it, whatever you want. That's what you get. So go to Patreon for that, to enter that contest. And lastly, I'm doing some workshops in Portland at the end of April at Literary Arts. You can find out more about that by Googling my name plus literary arts, going to their website, going to my website, call me through my Instagram, whatever you want. All right, that's all. Have a great week and enjoy your pizza. Brandy Taylor is my birthday twin, a dog lover, and the witch behind Magic Hour Astrology. You can find her at magichourastrology.com. Went to my local rescue to check out a dog. It was like a sweet little chihuahua who's a dog, cat, who is dog, cat, and kid friendly. And while there, I, of course, met and socialized with all the dogs. And one really struck my fancy. It was a very well-behaved mini Aussie. Also, people, cat, dog, and kid friendly. Now, I don't know who to adopt. I understand adoption is a long-term commitment and want to make the right choice. An eight-pound dog that could go everywhere with me from 
very special. But a 28-pound dog seems a little bit more rough and tumble. And when his boy hikes and the occasional camping and river trips more than a chichi, wawa. With all your doggy experience, what is your perspective on some of the pros and cons of tiny dogs versus medium dogs? Thanks so much. All right, I have some things to say. Go for it. Brandy. I have got in my clutches right now a chihuahua who is as rough and tumble as I need her to be because I treat her like a dog, not like a baby. And they encouraged me to treat her like a baby at the pound and buy her princess gear, but instead I made Ponyo a dog. And so now she has a dog life. Who also wears costumes. Well, she wears those sometimes for her Instagram brand. <laughs> She's taller. Yeah, she also does. She does have a, a life where she gets to express herself in lots of ways. She's tolerant of costumes, so she wears them from time to time. But Ponyo hikes, Ponyo camps, Ponyo is good on a road trip. She, I, but I can also stuff her under the seat of an airplane, stuff her in a tote bag so I don't have to leave her outside of a store, for which I am grateful. Um, I have had larger dogs. I don't enjoy picking up larger dog shit or feeding them more food. That's my thing with larger dogs. And also, I love being able to have her with me everywhere. Mm, true. What is your perspective? Well, I've had both small dogs and large dogs. And right now, I have a small dog and a medium dog. So, I think that, like, you sh just kind of approach this as, like, I mean, of course, the dog has to fit your lifestyle. Like, are you getting a dog as, like, a companion that you can take everywhere? Are you getting a dog to, like, for protection or to, like, you know, be a dog that you maybe want to, like, train in some way or, you know, things like that? Like, that would really make a difference. Um, also, just kind of just trusting your gut and your intuition. I really feel like dogs choose you, you know, and it's like you might have showed up to that place and if you're thinking about that chihuahua and that's the reason that you got there, but then you met this dog and you can't stop thinking about this Aussie, that seems like the Aussie is kind of your dog. Yeah. But, you know, if the Aussie doesn't fit your lifestyle, like, you know, they have, need a lot of exercise and are super smart and, you know, in a different way than maybe a, another dog would. Also, how, how old are these dogs? Well, like, let me stop you like there. That. I want to talk about you two of your points. Yes. Point number one. Yeah, she may have shown up with one thing in mind, but this other thing showed itself to her. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I didn't go to the pound looking for Ponyo. I didn't want a Chihuahua. I thought they looked very basic and gross and yappy, and I didn't want one. And that the dog I went to see was not as good as Ponyo. So I had to open my mind to what was there. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, people don't really think about this when they get... I find, no offense to the world, but a lot of people are dumb about breeds. I'm finding. Like, what is your dog meant to do? Can mm -hmm. you fulfill that dream? So, like, an Aussie, I would never get an Australian Shepherd because I don't have enough energy to drain them of the energy and give them the exercise and mental exercise they need to fulfill their destiny. Because they're not actually out there hurting or doing their life's mission, their life's purpose. So, you, you know, but a Chihuahua's life's purpose is to be your companion done got it all the hiking <laughs> and walking i give her is just bonus like, right if you want a dog that's just gonna lay near you get a senior dog 
or get a dog that's not meant to like ferret out weasels or herd something or right be a fucking buff ass fighter like a pit bull who's like exercise me please let me use a nautilus machine right totally and the little dog that i have now is a puppy so i prepared for that and is a terrier which i've had many times before and is like she wants to dig shit she wants to find a mouse she wants she's gonna like root around in your stuff and if i don't like help kind of get that like if you don't want your lawn to be dug up or if you don't want like her to root around and like try to find stuff like if you don't give her a puzzle or whatever she's gonna be bored out of her mind because she's a terrier the terrier that's what they're supposed to do but like okay so this is good this you know terriers also would not work for me because they want to kill your chickens and so as somebody (laughs) who like does a fair amount of farm sitting enjoys having chickens like a terrier is always gonna clock out of the human world and lock into its like predatory instinct of like a squirrel i was bred to chase it totally A, a chicken what a great way to fulfill my destiny yeah exactly exactly so people need to think about the breed investigate the breed a little bit before you go for a pretty face because aussies are beautiful hunting dogs are beautiful a buff blue pit bull with rippling muscles (laughs) very handsome as an aside i feel like a mini aussie is one of those breeds that's like you took like this like super smart like agility training herding dog and then you shrunk it down into like a little container. And so I actually think that they might have way more energy than a normal size Aussie. <laughs> like how a smaller strawberry tastes sweeter exactly. than a bigger strawberry? She's more condensed. She's got a little tighter container. Yeah. So think like, do, do you want to do that? Do you want your life to be that you walk this dog in the morning before work? Maybe you hire a dog walker midday. You walk it or take it to agility training at night or take it to the park and chuck it until your arm throws off. Do you have that available to you? And if you don't, then you may not be able to fill this dog's needs. Or you may need to readjust your... You can readjust your life to a dog. It's okay. True. I was just talking to somebody who was asking me for advice. They also got some kind of Aussie and they have a full-time job. And then they were like, oh, I don't have enough energy for this dog. And it's like, well... You have a choice. You either get to like just make a new routine for yourself with the dog in it. If the dog's not going to fit to your routine, you fit to the dog or I don't know. She ended up giving it away to people that had more energy and didn't have full-time jobs. Right. Exactly. And the difference between the 10-year-old medium-sized dog, who's like a hound mix, and the one-year-old terrier mix dog are so vast. Yeah. Yeah, that, that I live with. So it's like... You know, the 10-year-old dog who has arthritis and other things can go for a walk, you know, maybe six blocks and that's it. But the terrier has to go to the dog park. She has to get walked, you know, maybe twice a day. she got to go to doggy daycare to kind of get her yayas out. So, you know, just know that sometimes it might take a diversity of tactics. Yeah, well, that's why, I mean, I love a senior dog because they will just lay and they won't bug me while I'm trying to draw. If someone gets in my mental space when I'm trying to draw... Straight to the pound. Call the dog catcher. Get the dog catcher on the line. Now, uh, you know, I'm never. Gonna, you don't give away your dog, but you you can threaten. They don't speak English. Um. Okay. But yeah, so think about it hard before you get the dog, so you don't have to have the trauma for everyone of giving it away. Nobody likes that. Amen. Nobody wants to return Amen. a dog. Bad for the dog. Bad for you. 
Yeah, you know what? I will say one thing. I got a dog on November 6th. My sweet familiar Sadie passed away two years ago in on, in November. And on November 6th, I was like, well, my partner was like, what about this dog? So we were like kind of lightly looking for a dog. And she's like, what about this? And I was like, okay. So we just like went and met her. And, I, and then we went home with her that day. Who knew we would need this like sweet puppy energy companion two days before the election. I was like, I guess we got this dog for a reason. And it's, she brings so much joy. So if you can make room for an animal in your life, please do it. It's really helpful. It's really, really helpful. And it's okay for you to change your life a little bit to surround the dog. That's right. It's okay. They're changing their life to be with you. Absolutely. And every dog's different, even if, you know. And it might be a little bit of a transition, but it's worth it. Brandy, do you have any general advice for my listeners over the coming week? Mm, well, it is Venus retrograde, my friends. Is so, mean, is that sex? Well, I mean, it's most—it's more about relationships, but it could be about sex, sure. I mean, it's really about like how we relate to each other, how we relate to ourselves. Um, when Venus goes retrograde, it definitely puts more of like a um, a harder uh, sort of grind on our relationships. It's also retrograde through Aries, which is really like, I kind of view that too as like figuring out like where your strength is, like reviewing, um, you know, really kind of getting into the, the retrograde cycle, kind of turning inward and figuring out like, how strong are you? What, like, what are you up for? Are you up for this part of the fight or that part of the fight? Or how do you replenish yourself? How does like your warrior self need replenishing? That's kind of how I would view that. And then also like, how do we, how do we take care of each other? Like, who are your people? Who are your close people that you love and are you're in, right in good relationship with? How would you replenish, you know, both yourself and others? And so you can build up that strength again. We're kind of like having a moment where we need to kind of, um, uh, just really uh, reflect on our relationships and the strength of those. So take care of the people around you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Just, you know, it's, we're only having this retrograde, you know, every once in a while. And right now it's until, uh, I believe March 15th. I'm sorry, April 15th is the last day. So it just started on the fourth. So we have about a month or so to really review this. Any special advice for Sagittarians? Confidential to Sagittarians. Confidential to Sagittarians. I mean, Sagittarians, right now, we're still dealing with Saturn and Sag. So we're really also thinking about, we have that, you know, we have a retrograde and a fire sign, Aries, Venus and Aries retrograde. We also have our Saturn going through um, Sag. So we're really like, let's get right with like how much energy we're putting towards our, our work in the world. How are we really honing in on replenishing our fire? Good time to do some candle magic, Sagis. Let's get our sacred flame going. We don't want to be just embers. We also, we want to keep the fires going. So we might feel depleted or burned out during this Venus retrograde cycle. I would uh, really have lots of fire signs. Just kind of keep it, keep it tight as far as like, you know, keep your energy, conserve your energy and then replenish it. Do some candle magic. I'm doing it. Brandy, I have so much goddamn Capricorn. I can't even... I can't even tell you. really you. do. I just feel like Sagittarius is the salt sprinkling on top of like just, you know, a hardworking, serious Capricorn. But it's the good, it's literally like the good nature frosting. It's the sprinkles on top. 
It's the sprinkles on top that make me like a little bit doable. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you, if you took, took like a textbook or something and then put some real thick frosting and some sprinkles on top, the textbook is your Capricorn. I'd say Sagittarius like, is like the Lisa Frank book cover on the yes, textbook yes, that's Capricorn. Exactly. exactly. It's in a really cute package, but it's very serious. We got some serious work in there. <laughs> you know, Capricorns work hard, play hard. They got that. Play they hard. That. that makes that makes me think that I should drink more or something. That seems like what. Oh. Or go skydiving. I don't know. Play hard for me is like, do you want to play mahjong? <laughs> you want to have some kombucha and do. You want to have some kombucha or some lesbian tea and play mahjong? That's like all I want to do. So. You want to go brush the dog and then run around with him outside? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, Brandy, thank you. It's always a pleasure having you on Sagittarian Matters. Of course. You're a fan favorite. and um... Oh, so sweet. It brings us great pleasure and honor to present to you the Prune Council of Canada and America's Unified Farming Association's most premium podcast, Sagittarian Matters. <clears throat> Ruth, my tea? With prunes, of course, with prunes. What about raisins? And raisins. I'll take a dollop of raisins, Ruth. Anyways. Uh, Eat prunes. What are you up to? Just eating some prunes, having some raisins, snacks, choosing between the two. Wow, this ad really came to life in the end. There's a whole other character. <laughs> Caroline Paquita is a zinester, artist, and womb animal who has been publishing her own work for almost 20 years. She is also the purveyor of Pegacorn Press, a risograph operation that publishes titles like Bar Dykes, The Lesbian Lexicon, Let Go, Let Gaia, and more. I caught up with Caroline after the LA Book Fair. We sat on my bed in pet producer Ponyo while we talked about punk, getting off the internet, and more. Stay tuned. Welcome to Sagittarian Oh, Matters. thank you for having me. Uh, producer Ponyo is here getting a pet. Yes, full body rub down. Full body rub down in Los Angeles, California. Yep, kicking me in the boob, but that's she's, okay. Boob she, massage. She's giving you a boob massage yes. with her feet while mm-hmm. you're giving her a little pet. Yes. What is your sign? I am a Taurian on the cusp with Aries. Very cool. Yeah. Well, we... We welcome them here on Sagittarian Matters. Thank you. Even though, as known, I'm a Sagittarius with a Capricorn moon and rising. Yes. So wait, will you tell my listeners, what do you do? Um, What is your your art and your biz? Well, um, I am an artist. I I think similarly, as with you, I've been doing zines and, you know, self-publishing in that realm. That's how we've known each other um, for so long. And, um... 
So visual artist, and then who's as on the side has always done publications, which became more formal when I started buying all my own printing equipment in uh, like 2009. After like, I think it was like 15 years of self-publishing, and be like, where's the Xerox I can use? You know, mm-hmm. I was like, fuck this! I'm buying a stencil duplicator, which a risograph. Um, which is so popular now, but at the time when I got it, it was, they were very inexpensive and kind of like leftover church. It's like, oh, we had this to print our service program, you know, every Mm -hmm. week. Um, but so after that, I was like, I want to, I, now I have all this printing equipment and I don't need to just print my own work. Like I want to work with other artists that I like, like Mike Taylor or, just everybody else that I've been like, I love you. Can I work with you? And so I'll collaborate with artists um, or folks that I admire to make publications together and publish them. And that's how Pegacorn Press was born because I also didn't want it to be like me by Caroline. You know, I'm like, yeah. I need a name for this. So it's all run out of my house, like for for the most part. Sometimes I've had stints where I've had a studio but for the most part all the equipment's been in the house Mm. in the kitchen or next to the kitchen usually because it's too heavy to get up the stairs and yeah and so I do you know some wage work like to pay the bills because this definitely is not a money-making endeavor Mm -hmm. Um, I think the IRS would consider a failing business um, but it's like an extension of my personal practice to, uh, publish and get materials out that are of a feminist, queer, total art freaker, gay lord agenda. I've added that gay lord agenda. Gay lord I'm like, agenda. yes, I yes. Like that, yeah. I'm like, yeah, a gay lord agenda. I kind of think, I mean, thank God it hasn't come to this yet, but with our cool new president, Oh, I love him. Who wants to, like, <laughs> shut down the media? Oh, yeah. I he's... really feel like zines yeah. are getting a little bit of, like, people are maybe remembering that freedom of the press and taking things into yeah. your own hands, not on the internet, could be a very valuable tool. Yes. When, sh- if shit ends up going down, which hopefully, yes. hopefully this will sound like I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist and none of this will ever come to pass. Well, a lot of but... things are indicating that things are going in a very terrible way right now. So this is how conspiracy theories are born. Yeah. Yeah. But so uh, having the like access to means of production. Yes. And being able to publish radical thoughts or yeah. things that are, you know, counter to the Trump agenda. Yeah. Can or we... in general, like just our... Uh, I think even before Trump, who's just the, you know, puppet head for this larger, gross, like, alt-right, Republican, crazy, nationalist, white, xenophobic, you know, the whole thing where you're like, yay, you guys have been Koch brothers, you've been, like, fueling this agenda for years, you know, you're rich, you've been paying for all this stuff to happen, you know, the slow burn, um, that yeah, like to me it seems important, and I you know remember when like, like late nineties we're like everybody does zines, fuck yeah, and then it was like oh shit, what's this thing called a blog? You know, like a lot of people seem to drop out. They're like I'm a blogger now, um, which always seemed weird to me. But I'm like okay, that doesn't really resonate with me. Um, I still like printed objects, like that's how I like absorb energy, like. 
I can't, there's only so much I can read online that I retain. Same. But if you give me a book and I'm like have an actual printed book in my hands, I'm like, ah, my book, yes, you know, and it's this different experience. Um, even whether that's like reading like a, a book through like Kindle app or something, I'm like, great book, like, you know, it's like yeah. internet brain to me, like looking at a screen, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm really stoked in a lot of ways that more people are getting back into printing books, even though obviously there's a like um, environmental issue always with making objects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm into it and yeah, I'm like that I'm also very into more colleges and special collections holding on to zines. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that as a part of like American, I mean, just since we're in America, I'll talk about you know American yeah. subcultural activity and thought and movements and groups and yeah, you know, ephemera. I mean, you know, from different groups and it yeah. not just being like, oh yeah, they made some shit and it's online and bookmark it and that's so you know that I mean. I do zine workshops all the time, yeah. as I'm sure you do. Or people ask you, like, why zines? Why not? Yeah. Why printed? Why not? Why yeah. not do an, a web comic? Or, and yeah. it's the energy thing, like you said, like an ob, like a book when you finish it has energy to it. Yeah. You know, an object. But also, like, I got politicized by zines when oh, I was yeah. a young person. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if this, I don't know if this is true. I'm speculating for young people now, but something about zines and the politics therein. People had to go through so much effort and energy to publish them in their own zine yeah. that it felt like it had a weight to it. Whereas yeah. on the internet, anyone can put any political anything there and it takes them no effort. They could be like laying half conscious yeah, and totally. say their political piece. Yeah. But like you would get a zine of people talking about sizeism or racism or classism or whatever and you're like, this person fucking like... Got out a typewriter, did oh, a few yeah. drafts of this. Oh my god! Had to yeah. paste it up, go to Kinko's, photocopy it, like lay it out, like yeah. staple, collate it. Remember that time? I you're still just, do you're it. still yeah. living it, which is yeah. there. It's collating, yeah. stapling, sending it to you, and then you get it, and it's like it's like a love letter, even if yeah. it's just somebody saying like, "I had a mental breakdown in the grocery store parking lot." And you're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, someone's writing about mental illness in public. Yeah, totally. Like that had a feeling to it. That the internet doesn't have. Yeah, and it, it's definitely that intentionality in the process. It's like, this is why I'm also not, like, on Facebook is the immediacy. You know, there's something about the internet. It's like, immediate response. And then in a lot of ways, it's great. You're like, oh, this crazy shit happened at uh, Standing Rock. like, And you see immediately, you're like, fucking crazy shit's happening. Like, oh, fuck. Instead of it be like, oh, three months later, you find out. You get you know a zine I mean? three months later? Yeah. It seemed awful. Yeah, but, you know, like, uh, the way people just write and post stuff online and that is, like, combative or argumentative, they don't really think about it, it's very reactionary. Like, my process in making publications is so, it takes, it's such a process, just like what you're talking about. Like, you have to sit about it, sit and think about it. You have to write about it. You have to put it together. You have to edit it. For me, I have to go print it out at Staples, like make the masters, go print them out at Staples, come back home, and then start printing each page at a time, you know? So it's like if I'm doing an edition of 500, I have to print 500 of one side, blow dry it, print the other side, you know? So I'm touching every single paper 
multiple times in the process and I have to like I'm also like oh my god is this book worth printing does this like okay this is like a part of a tree is this does this need to exist you know things like that and so like these are some considerations at least for me where I'm like because I mean you know there's like shit being made everywhere for no reason yeah you know you want to be interviewed I yeah just checking the levels yeah checking the levels um, so yeah, intentionality is a huge deal. Yeah. And the internet doesn't really carry that weight no. for me. No, I'm just now posting some comics online mm-hmm. via Patreon. Uh-huh. I'm doing a Patreon experiment to see if it's worth it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I kind of think in doing, I'm challenging myself to clean up a bunch of diary comics that I've just been sitting on for a billion years. Yeah. So like if I clean these up and put them on Patreon to try and lure people there. Then maybe I'll make these things print ready so then I can actually make yeah. a book or something. Yeah. But um, I wanted to ask you about, I mean, I want to ask you about a lot of things. One of the publications I just got from you uh-huh. was a zine about cell phones. Uh, or yeah, about or computer technology in general. Technology yeah. in general. It's called Let Go, Let Gaia. Will you please explain the premise <laughs> of this or why you decided to it do it? It was, um, I made that actually couple years ago right before the New York Art Book Fair and I had been thinking a lot about well I have all these books that are you know like Be Here Now for example or like um, Psychic Protection and like and that's all like it's the same woman Judy Hall who wrote like the Crystal Bible or something you know and like just these things in there about like using crystals with around your computer for like clearing up negative energies or in general energies and like looking through be here now and like they're talking about like the phone's ringing oh my god you run and go answer you know just like these urgencies about technologies as they've come out like everybody's like oh my god i got an email i have to look at it now you know the phone's ringing and like you know, before people be freaking out about a landline ringing. And now we just, like, carry these magic boxes with us all the time. And we're, like, they're buzzing and dinging and vibrating. And you're, like, <laughs> you know, and you're, like, <laughs> it's not. Before it was, like, the cell phone and now it's, like, the email. And now, and then on top of that is the Instagram or the Facebook or the Snapchat or the Tinder or the, you know, like, yeah. there's this constant, like, pulsating kind of energy of, like, um, being really attentive to these technologies, I guess. And so there was kind of like a, a kind of a meditation on some of that and also thinking about that every technology that has come out, like whether that's the radio and people are like, around the radio, like you never know what you're going to hear, you know, to the TV, like, oh my God, it's live. <laughs> you know, like that there's just been these waves of people with technologies wondering like and thinking about the the sense of urgency. Like, do you really have to answer the phone because it's ringing? Yeah. Yeah, maybe I, not. Are you a doctor? Like, is somebody's life on the line? Or Yeah, yeah. If you're a doctor, yeah, you need to answer the fucking phone, you know? Midwife. Most people I know. Midwife, yeah. Doula, yeah. sure. You know? <laughs> Otherwise? Yeah. Ah. Ponyo really... Yeah, right? You got your rub down. She got her rub down. She's like a pager. We're just moving your chi around. She's like, thanks for moving my chi. Yeah. But I loved it because there aren't that many things. I mean, I have one nice thing saved on my computer that's a poster an illustrator made that says, life is short, get off the internet. Yeah. And I love it. And I honestly, I didn't have internet in my 
house for the first couple weeks I lived here. So uh-huh. when I would go into my room, I ran out of data on my phone. Yeah. And so I, was, I just put it on airplane mode. Uh-huh. And it opened, cracked my life open again a little bit more yeah. than it had. Yeah. Because otherwise I could just sit and stare at it before bed instead of reading a book. Yes. Instead of like thinking my thoughts. I could just scroll through things that Instagram was suggesting to me. I'm like, yeah. Oh, a tattoo artist in Adelaide. Yeah. Great. They're awesome. Yeah. Oh, a funny meme. Another Kermit one. Yeah. What's he got to say this time? Yeah. No, and I think especially now there's a, like I think it's worth you know thinking about because with the, all the crazy Trump news and the and that, you know in general crazy Republican fucking meltdown from hell like a vortex of shit. And you're like, you know, if you stick with that and where you're always on your phone, like, I can't fucking believe this, you know, like, yeah. And it's like really can take up like a lot of space. Um, I think it's very important to be like attentive and being paying attention to what's going on. But I also don't think that we evolved to be like consistently in this like onslaught of like information in this way. It's like, I can't retain, I can't absorb and retain things if I don't have the time to think about them and if you're like just piling it on like blah, 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 then yeah. that's what also I think has created this huge thing of complacency where people are like oh yeah just shit's like just always happening you know what I mean yeah. if that makes sense I don't know like you can't if you can't meaningfully take in yeah what something means like if they're like Oh, Ice just raided this place or, like, just yeah. like, took this dad away from his kid as he was dropping her off for school. Yeah. If you don't have time to actually absorb what that means or feels like. Yeah. Because you're, like, in Standing Rock, like, everyone yeah. just got, like, hosed down and dragged away. And then yeah. Like, and then the president tweeted this. And then this yeah. and this is, like. Yeah. Which then, if anything, you read that he tweets, you're just, like. What is this fucking crazy bibble babble? You know? Like, I'm just, like, well, this guy can't spell now. Yeah. I'm talking about we can't spell. Am I being... But yeah, I think that's a valuable point. Yeah. I mean, um, I think everyone is very overwhelmed. Yeah. That's also why people are gravitating towards crystals these days of trying to bring uh, back some grounding because it's yeah. also very... I think it's been a slow build. I don't think it's just because Trump got elected or this current... It's been the, like the slow burn. And yeah. this is like the darkness before the dawn. Yeah. The final, the final fight. Hopefully. This is America's bottom. This is America yeah, hitting rock bottom. Yeah, or it's like the yeah the terrible shit before things get better. Yeah, I like to think about it that way. Yeah, well, because then it's like America's going to be uncomfortable enough to be like, oh, yeah, oh, this is what racism looks like. Yeah. Oh wait, no, actually, like my cousin is gay, and I love my gay cousin, and they're you know like all these yeah. people act like they're not uh, aren't queer or you know just all the things that supposedly you're like no get this out we're america and you're like nah everybody's a fucking freak here and you know yeah most people get it but there's still like the fucking dying dinosaur like republican style you know it's i mean it it is there's something weird about the fact that now all of a sudden i'm like republicans are smarter than this Come on. Like, yeah, when I'm, I'm like, like giving applause to John McCain, I'm like, shit is so <laughs> fucked up. I'm like, God, John McCain's like, he's actually okay. And I'm, I'm like, like, listen to George Bush, you guys. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah, John McCain spoke at my college graduation and I was like, I wasn't going to go anyway, but I was definitely like, fuck that fucking guy. And that was like in 2004. And I was like, fuck him. Fuck him. And now I'm like, 
all right, he's standing up, you know? Like, that's when you know shit is bad. But also, I mean, you know, as oppositional as many times I've been like, Republican, Republican, like, you know, uh, I think it's worth considering being open to more ally, unexpected allies. Mm-hmm. Because some of what's where we're at is, I think, from, like, compartmentalization that people have done in kind of, like, groupings, you know? And you're like, well, in the in the big fight, we all got to get together for the big fight, you in know? In the big fight, if George Bush, war criminal, wants to fight against uh, the racism of keeping Muslims out of America, and he and I are on the same side as that, I'll accept him for that. That's yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not drafting him for my team forever. No, but no, like, no, no. But I am. Like, I get oh, you. If yeah. we can be allies and like, apparently, I care about the Constitution now. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. I. I mean, yeah. There's just a lot. Yeah. I know. I we just were... saw Judith Butler give a talk where she said basically the same thing. She was like, "In this resistance, we're going to need to make alliances in places we didn't think we would." Exactly. Like. Carolyn Paquita giving the thumbs up to John McCain right now. <laughs> yeah. Major, major, like, I've been talking about that a lot. I'm like, oh, my God, shit's that bad. But, yeah, or George Bush. Remember seeing John McCain? I remember seeing John McCain uh, debating with Obama and being like, what a fucking scumbag. Yeah. And he referred to Obama as this one or, uh. that, or that one. Like, he objectified him in some weird way. And I remember being like, boo, boo, yeah. he's such a racist, boo. Yeah. And now... Compared to, like, the Klansmen that are yeah, seated in the White House, I'm just... Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Okay. So I really liked your zine, Let Thank Go and Let Gaia. Thank you. Yeah. I really, really liked it. I think people should get it. Um, I mean, I like all of your stuff. That's why when I saw you at the LA Book Fair, I have so much of your stuff that now I can't even catalog in my head oh, shit. what I have or what I've just, like, stared at on Etsy and been like, gotta get that, gotta get that. So now I'm overwhelmed. But um, you make tons of stuff all the time. It's true. You're very prolific. Thanks. Yeah. It keeps me busy. Do you identify as a punk? Um, That's a very interesting question. But you mean, um, let's see, of course. But then also I think that, um, I mean, just based on... Uh, it's like, what is, what does punk mean these days? I don't know. What does it mean to you? Um, What does it mean to you to identify as a punk? We're aging. I mean, we are aging. I feel like, um, you know how there's like those like, uh, almost like punk denialists or something that like, I'm, a, I'm like a, an adult now. And I'm yeah. like, like, no, I'm an adult punk. Like, and not like a beer drinking, like break some window. I mean, if I need to for certain <laughs> situations, I will. You did crawl under a fence today. I know. That was great. I actually did that feel... That was punk. That was pretty punk. <laughs> um, maybe we should explain that scene because that was pretty great. We were walking to the crystal store. I opened my fanny pack <laughs> to look yeah. at the directions and a $10, a crispy $10 bill flew out of my fanny pack through the link in a chain link fence. Yeah. And into a construction site. Yeah, a big pit of a construction site. And then Caroline, fast as anything, was like, oh, here, just grab this piece of the fence. Oh, yeah, lifted the fence up. You shimmied. Shimmied on my under, butt underneath. Under the fence. Yeah. <laughs> and rescued my $10 bill. Yeah, yeah, had to do it. But I feel like that was a skill I picked up from my punk life of just being like, fuck, man, just fucking pick the fence up and get under there. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. like, it's... Like, what, yeah, what is punk to you now? Well, I live, for example, like, the house I live in in Brooklyn, 
Two ladies I know uh, own it. They're platonic life partner friends. Mm. And they are of the activist bread and puppet scene. And they also, with some some punk veins in there, but um, definitely more. One's like a professional activist and the other one is a professional puppeteer. Cool. And we uh, live quasi-collectively. I mean, you know, I live with two people who own the home, so it's never going to be totally, like, collective. Um, but in the sense where we live, uh, make food collectively, chores collectively, you know, all these things that to me are still very, like, punk in that way of being, like, composting, beekeeping, gray water, nana, you know, yeah. but, like, adult style where there's no dishes in the sink you know, et cetera, no beer bottles sitting around with flies or dog turds on the floor or whatever, all that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I would say punk in the sense of like s- still a little scrappy, like I'll be, you know, gone for two months out of the year in Europe and my coworkers in New York are like, how do you do that? And I'm like, eh, well, I've like, traveled a lot i have a lot of friends through traveling and through punk life from playing in bands and they come stay with me for free and so i can come stay with them for free you know or mm-hmm. whatever things like that that yeah. still i think are i would consider punk mm-hmm. it's not hippie style i know the, you the, know the, line, the line is fine but it's a real i line. know but it is yeah um so there's elements with that i mean I don't know. Yeah, like still DIY. Pegacorn Press is extremely DIY. I think at the art book fair, in a lot of ways, I'm still like, I feel pretty like scrappy DIY person here. Mm-hmm. Try to have publications still be like, I was like Fugazi style. I'm like, they're always five. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I think I need to raise the price to six. You know, and I'm like, fuck, I got to really think about this, you know? And I'm yeah. just like, six dollars. And I'm like, oh my God, all these people sell zines for like, Twelve dollars, and Isn't they're that like crazy. Yeah, the price of zines nowadays curls my hair. When people are like, "Hey," because no one makes zines, so they're yeah. like, "This is a handmade publication. It's fifteen dollars because I stapled it myself." Yeah, I know, and I'm still. People ask me all the time why my stuff is so cheap, or when I'd be on tour and have like shirts, pretty much at cost. You know what I mean? You're like, well, I don't know. It's a ten dollars shirt, and people are like ten dollars shirt. You're like, well, shit, the shirt only costs $3. Yeah. If we only did one color pass, that seems fine. You know, like, kind of just thinking about the economics. Yeah. And that way, like, my, my, I would say economically, my brain always goes into that punk life mm-hmm. style of thinking about, well, can people afford it? Can this, and you know, in ways that, like, um, yeah, keep me thinking that, yes, I think I'm, I still identify as punk. Yeah. Yeah. I I like thinking about when punk and capitalism intersect. I had yeah. Ian Mackay on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And I asked him about that. because Because yeah. also there's the idea that, like, you know, some people, you don't have the luxury to not sell out. Right. Because of class issues or whatever. Right. You know, so somebody being like, I'm going to sell your record for $2 forever. And then you're yeah. like, I would like to make, you know. Yeah. Eat food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I think about that all the time. And I've been called a capitalist by punk people on tour with them. And I'm like, well, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine with me. 
It's yeah. like your parents just bought you a house and mine didn't. Right. Yeah. The person who called me a capitalist. Yeah, yeah. I'm speaking to. That's usually mm-hmm. the finger pointing comes from people with privilege. Yeah. As I've noticed. Yes. But so then, but it's something I also always like think about or wrestle with when I'm pricing things. I actually, I had to apply my therapeutic program to doing pet portraits because for a while I was like, I can't charge my community as much as these are worth based on how much time I'm taking. Uh-huh. So I just had to, I stopped altogether because I felt so uncomfortable charging people in my similar tax bracket mm-hmm. and the amount of money it costs to have original art based yeah. on your own photograph. Yeah. But so I had, I literally I took a break for like a couple of years yeah. and I had to wait until I had like settled it in myself Yeah. and could just say to people like, this is the price. Yeah. I have lower priced things that are not custom right. or that are not of your pet. Right. So everyone can get something if they need it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard. It is hard. And I think it's, um, so like with the, for a good example would be the LA art book fair. And this time I like really like screen printing these cunt hankies and they're two color screen printed, like it, they actually take quite a bit of work to make. Cause like you get the fabric, you cut it down, you screen it one color, you screen another color, then you cut it down, or no, then you surge it, and then you have to glue it, and you have to heat set it. And it's like a process. Yeah. And so, but I like making it, and I like conversing with people about it. And they're only thirteen dollars, and for me, I'm like for the amount of energy, you know, I'm like yeah. okay, maybe total time of making them, it's like half an hour each so okay that's a good wage and that's not even counting the material costs you know whatever um but i had these other things that i was making designs i don't know if you saw those goddess hankies Mm -hmm. on the table and i had them digitally printed on fabric Mm -hmm. and so because i was like you couldn't pay me to fucking screen print this this would be a 200 hundred dollar hanky you know like with the colors and the this you know i was just like no way Um, and I was asking my best friend who works in fashion, who's a recent transplant to LA. I was showing her stuff. I was like, Oh, I don't know what to charge for these. And she was like, Oh, like 60. And it's like, I'm like, um, (laughs) kind of like, I don't think that, you know, $60. Yeah. For the larger, like Holly Sheen, whatever, silky, uh, fail stuff. And I was like, um, no, you know, like yeah. the, there is a certain market for that. Yeah. Cause she's like, well, they're handmade and they're this and that. And I'm like, this girl's thinking like $10, you know, like, I'm like, I'm, first of all, this is like the first batch. So I'm trying something out. Yeah. And there's, I already see like, I don't like this size or I don't like this, whatever. So i that's like, you know, I'm thinking about that, and that's just my personal thing. I'm like, but this isn't what I thought it was exactly going to be. Um, but then I'm also like, it's a piece of fabric. And I was like, I didn't even print it. Mm-hmm. I just need to really get my cost back for the fabric, you know, the yeah, the charge per yard. Yeah. Plus some of the labor of sewing it. Yeah. But I don't need to triple that cost, or even, yeah. It was interesting. And then yeah. I just talked to Mary from Just Seeds, and I'm like, hey, what do you think about pricing for this? Because she also sells a lot of hankies, you yeah. know? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, she and I are more on the same tip about this stuff. Yeah. It was just very, like, 
you know, different train schools of thought about, look, it's handmade. Yeah. Because there's, like, this whole Etsy world of handmade. And, you know, yeah. I sell on Etsy, so I'm not like, fuck Etsy. But, you yeah. know, like, the artisanal this and that. And I totally get it. But I also think, like, for, yeah, zines that you don't even Xerox yourself that, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And yeah. be like, it's a $15 publication. And you're like, why? And they're like, well, because I think I should be making this much money off of it. Yeah. And I'm like, you didn't, you know, not that everybody has to do the labor for it, but I'm like, but why? Why does it have to cost more? Yeah. Your cost was like only $2 to produce it. Yeah. Why is, why make $13 profit on it? Yeah. When you could actually price it more appropriately and more people who are interested in it mm-hmm. could have it. Yeah. I'm more into people having that, people that like my art having it and it resonating with that than only people who have money. Yeah. You know if that makes sense. I it don't totally know. makes sense. It's I mean somebody asked me in an interview before if I I don't know, something about populist art. Mm-hmm. Oh, why do you make a populist art? Because I made a calendar. Yeah. You know, and I'm just as a punk person, yeah. community minded. Yeah. Because for me, you know, like that was my family and your community supports you and it's all you're all just yeah. linked. Yes. And so the idea of making something that your whole community can afford and have access to is a value, and then people from the outside are like, well, look at you, you're using your art skills for for people. And you're like, well, yeah. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. But it's interesting, because, like, you know, comics, I can't even imagine how long it takes you to make, like, an illustration. But for me, it takes a long time. Yeah, totally. So making comics, it's just, like, thousands of hours, basically. Right. And then I have a friend... Who, you know, also was like a punk graffiti artist guy, but then he started making, he made giant paintings and then mm-hmm. he got discovered by like an art gallery. Mm-hmm. And so he'll sell one of his paintings for like $20,000. Yeah. And then that's like how much money someone will give me to make a book that takes me three or four years to do. Right. That's hundreds and hundreds of pages. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's all, but see the, like, for example, the gallery world, that is such a, a capitalist, like economic bubble that's insane yeah um i can't even i mean i work in museums and at galleries and constantly holding work you know it's like pretty much everything that i touch is over five hundred thousand dollars it's not beyond the pale for it to be like oh watch out that's really that's like 20 million dollars you're like what the fuck is this shit like really and it's just because it's like or no, like this $33 million piece. It's just a painting. Can't get into the details because whatever. But it, you know, that's what it was cost at a Sotheby's auction. Yeah. And you're like, cool. Why? This artist makes hundreds of paintings a year. And it's just because like it got like heated at the auction or yeah. something. Um, you're like, that's more than the GDP than most South Pacific Island countries, you know, $33 million, you know? Yeah. Anyway, super gross. Um, but so, but that person, there's only one painting and only one person's going to have that. Mm-hmm. Whereas yours, you're making a book. There's, I don't know how many copies are being made, but you know, yeah. maybe 2000 people get to experience your world in a different, you know what I mean? Yeah. In a different way than like the one person who's like, I've got $20,000 and I can buy this one painting, you know? Yeah. It's also part of my mission statement. Yeah. In life to reach more people. 
Yeah. You know? And it's, I mean, that's your, uh, yeah, your mission statement and just who you are and just like, you know, that, and that's also very punk. That's the Just saying, you know? Just saying. Yeah. So it's very, it's interesting in that way because like I always make a point of having like a dollar print at my table Mm -hmm. and... And those, like, go... And usually, I'll be like, if you buy something, you just take a print, you know? Yeah. Like, and and people are like, really? And I'm like, yeah, it's literally a piece of paper. You can have a piece of paper. And, like, so I've just had people question my generosity about that. I'm just like, no, but you just bought something. So, yeah, it's not a big deal. But then it's been interesting throughout the years of just doing that, which I think goes along with, like, the bread and puppet cheap art kind of deal. Mm-hmm is like people will send me pictures all the time on Instagram, like DM me mm-hmm. of like their prints on their altars or little messages about them. Like I look at it every day. I love it. Or like it's in my medicine cabinet and every time you get, take my pill in the morning, think about it, you know, and like the little thing or pictures of the calendar. Cause I've, it's like the eighth year I've made a calendar of people being like, this is my favorite month. And I'm like, hell yeah. Who are these people? You know? Yeah. And that's, you get to be with them in their house. I know. You know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's more... That's a magical feeling. It's very... Um, yeah. It's definitely very fulfilling and keeps me going. And even though I really don't make a lot of money, Mm-mm. definitely under 20000 a year, I'm like, yay, that's punk as fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, like, look at my grid. Yeah. Check out my got- crystal grid. Um but it's, I'm like, well, I think maybe that's like my purpose or what I'm doing mm-hmm. right now. It feels good. Be present. Mm-hmm. You know, let go like Gaia. Just be here now. Yeah. Wait, yeah. question. Yes. Punk medical myths. Oh, yeah. Your fave. My fave. Yeah. Please tell me. Wait, you, you made a poster? I made a comic about it. You made a comic about it. And then there, one page of it has been a pretty popular poster for some time now. Yes. I think I drew that. Oh, I drew it while I was in a drug study in Minneapolis in 2006 or 7. Mm. Okay, what yeah. are these are myths that you learn from living in punk houses, general, traveling. Yes, just general punk shenanigans. Because punk people are very into do it yourself. Yes. Across this is the pre Obamacare, pre you know, uh, quasi-socialized medicine. It's not really, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And people in general are always like, I think as a general, most societies have, you know, some folklore, like herbal mm-hmm. folklore. Some things do work and are really great. And some things uh, don't. What are the craziest ones? Craziest ones would be like... um. Like, dipping your hair in kerosene or gasoline to get rid of, like, lice. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, like, always been one that I've been like, don't fucking do that. I mean, I'm sure it works, but, right? Yeah. But it's kind of innocent. It would be like people with, like, really long dreadlocks would be like, that's the only way to get rid of them. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.
want to be a Seinfeld. But have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you Blue Apron on the podcast? Or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of Stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers. Zero. Producer Chris, producer Ponyo, and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts. Because we like it. If you would like to tip producer Chris Sutton, who dedicates hours to this series every week, please, 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 please send your tip of $5, $10, who knows how much. That's your business via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That is hornet, like the insect, leg, like one of his appendages, at gmail.com. If you do this, we will read your name on the podcast. Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday, and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and Blue Apron and whatever, but in the meantime, thank you. We appreciate your support, and I look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. That was Ponyo's voice. Don't be scared. Bye.